And we are going to be, I'm going to be uh, preaching a message called The Name. Can you look to your neighbor and say The Name? Look to your other neighbor and say The Name. Yeah, I'm going to be preaching a message called The Name. You know, everyone, I think everyone in this room has a name. I think. Um, Does everyone in this room have a name? I think everyone in this room has a name. Um, Names are interesting because it's hard to talk to someone when you don't necessarily know their name, isn't it? You got to talk to them and it's like, it's it's weird if you don't know someone's name. I don't know if you've tried to talk to someone before and have have you forgotten their name? Is that uncomfortable? Where you, as a pastor, sometimes it's real uncomfortable because you go to pray for someone and it's like brother, sister, like you try to come up with something, but Man, it's, it's bad when you forget someone's name. Names are important, and names signify someone's identity. Names are relational, and names are personal. Um, if you haven't met be, me before, my name is Evan. Evan means the Lord is gracious, which is cool. Um, I was named after a gentleman in our church who was a believer, and my parents saw him, and they saw that he was following Christ, and they wanted me to be a believer in someone that followed Christ, and so they named me after Evan. Um, my middle name is Curtis, which means courteous and polite. If anyone knows me, they know I'm very courteous and very polite. I was named after uh, my mother's maiden name and my uncle's name. So Evan, the Lord is gracious. Curtis, courteous and polite. And Distad, which I believe means two farms, although there is some... Um, so one of my relatives along the way had two farms, I guess. So Evan, um, the Lord is gracious... Um, Curtis, courteous and polite, two farms. And so uh, names signify someone's identity, and names are relational, and names are personal. In the Bible, it's interesting because names often deal, not only are they, are they, are they some, deal with someone's identity, not only are they relational and personal, but in the Bible, names are often uh, given to people that not only speak of those things, but also speaks of their vocation. In the Bible, you see this happen many times. You see this happen with Adam. His name means earth, and he was made from the earth. Eve, her name means mother of life, and she was the mother of life. Um, you look at Jacob, and his name uh, means deceiver or supplanter. And it's interesting because when you look at his life, it was full of deception, and it was full of... So, so it often speaks of people's vocation. It often speaks of their, their calling. Gideon, his name means mighty warrior. You look at Gideon, and although he was threshing wheat in a wine press. He was a mighty warrior for the Lord. And so names often deal with someone's vocation and their calling. And as a parent, when you name your kid, it's a, it's a significant moment because you want it to be a special name, but I think you also want it to be a name that means something significant as well. And so it's interesting in Scripture, there's this passage of Scripture where the people of Israel had been in captivity for about 400 years. And uh, God called a man named Moses to be the deliverer for the people. And he calls him, and and, and Moses is is having this dialogue with God. And it's interesting. Take a look at it in Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. And then we'll get back to the Philippians passage. He says, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me. And they ask, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. It's, it's interesting because you can understand why he's asking for the name. Because he wants to 
have some type of relational connection. Like, like who should I say sent me? It's interesting, actually, if you go and you do some research on this, um, if you go back to the original text, there's actually only four consonants that, are, that were given to Moses. Uh, y, H, W, H, which literally means he was, he is, and he will be. It's interesting when you think about that, because he's really saying that his existence does not rely on anyone else. He is saying that he is all-sufficient, all-encompassing, all-powerful, everything that the people of Israel would ever need. This name was so revered that throughout history, the ancient, um, uh, the, 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 the ancient, the, 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 the biblical scholars, the ancient Jewish scholars would actually wouldn't even say the four consonants because it was so holy, it was so righteous. They didn't, want, they didn't want to even utter it from their mouth, so they would just put the four consonants. They just write it down. Over time, what they ended up doing is they end up, because they're like, we, 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 over time what they ended up doing, because they didn't even want someone to accidentally mention the name, is they took the name of God, Adonai, and they added the, the, the vowels to Y-H-W-H, which, which is where we get the word Yahweh from. Very significant. It's a word that speaks of God's eternal existence. It speaks of him being beyond our comprehension. Names are significant. Again, my name is Evan, the Lord's gracious gift. Curtis, courteous and polite. Distad, two farms. Interesting. Names are significant. Names signify someone's identity. Names are relational and they're personal. And here in this passage of Scripture, Moses was asking God, what is your name? Think about it. The name. Look to your neighbor and say the name. All right. With that being said, we're going to jump to Philippians chapter 2 and just kind of put that on the back burner. I'm going to come back to that. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. I'm going to give you a little bit of context to the book of Philippians. Philippi was a church that was established by the Apostle Paul on his second missionary journey. Paul wrote the book while he was in prison. Uh, this letter itself centers around Christ a lot. There's a lot of, uh, Chris, uh, there's a lot of uh, Christology, Christology in the book. Uh, Paul talks about Christ in our life. He talks about Christ in our mind. He talks Christ as Christ is our goal. He talks about Christ as our strength. He talks about joy through suffering. He talks a lot about Jesus Christ. So this is what he says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. He says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature, did not consider equality with God something to be uh, used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking, uh, made, 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 but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made uh, in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name. Look to your neighbor and say the name. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
going to read that again. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very, the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as man. He, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every, tongue can, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God, be with us this morning as we just delve through this text. I pray that you'll uh, allow me to speak um, your truth, and that you'll allow me to speak uh, wisdom, Father. I pray that you will be uh, just the center of everything that we do here today, God. I pray that you'll be glorified and that you'll be magnified, Father. I pray maybe there are people in here this morning who have, no, have never experienced the power of Jesus' name. Maybe they have um, been wandering and they're far from you, Father. And I pray right now that you will draw them into your presence and that you'll draw them into your, um, into your temple, Father. I pray that your spirit will pull them closer closely, Father, so that you can speak to them and minister to them. God, open up their hearts. Open up our minds for what you have for us today. In your holy name, amen. So I kind of want to draw, again, we're talking about the name, but I kind of want to talk through this passage a little bit and, um, and then have a huge finale where everyone is cheering and praising the Lord and, you know, okay, whatever. Okay, so Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 5 through 11. So if you look at this text very closely, you can see that the, that the Apostle Paul is contrasting um, some things. Um, in the first few verses, he is, really what he's doing is he's, he's contrasting Christ's humanity with his divinity. He's contrasting his humanity with his divinity. He's taking some time. And in the first few verses, he's, he's really speaking of Christ's humanity, and he's also speaking of his humility. Are you guys thankful for humility this morning? Praise the Lord. Are you guys thankful for hum- your humanity this morning? Praise the Lord. Well, it's interesting because when you think about Jesus, one of the things that he did was that he emptied himself of his divine position. He emptied himself of his divine position. You know, in in, in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him, And without him nothing was made that, was, that has been made. In him was life, and the life that was the light of all mankind. So I was, I'm thinking about, it's like, have you thought about that for a moment, that, 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 that Christ emptied himself of his divine position? Some of you guys are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. But have you really thought about that for a like, That Christ emptied himself of his divine position? I mean, I, 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 heard, I, heard, I heard one scholar say that the first step for Christ was most possibly the greatest step. He emptied himself of his divine position. He made, in the text here, it says that he, he made himself nothing. When you think about heaven with all of its splendor, with all of its glory, with the train of the robe filling the temple, you think about the angels, you think about the pearly gates, you think about the golden roads, you think about like, oh my, like he emptied himself of his divine position. Can you imagine that first step? When my wife and I were first married, we rented an apartment and the apartment was a one-bedroom, 
500 square feet, maybe 500 square feet apartment. And it had a galleyway kitchen. It was really small. And um, we had nothing. We were poor, paupers. Um, and uh, we had everything that we had was borrowed. We had a borrowed couch. We had a borrowed co- everything. Okay, so it was crazy. And uh, one of um, my friends, his son, came to our house. And um, they lived in a really nice house. And I remember he went up to our apartment and he ran around our apartment and he started laughing and he said, is that it? And uh, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is all I have. I'm sorry. This is my house. And I, I, I don't know. I guess I could just kind of imagine Christ empty him, emptying himself of his divine position with such a, a, such a much larger step than that. Being in heaven with all of its splendor, with all of its glory, with the train of the robe, with the angels, with the gates, with the road. Empty, like, like emptying himself of his divine position. And when he arrived, he, it's interesting because he, he, when he arrived, he didn't come from heaven and walk down on a golden staircase. He didn't beam down like from Star Trek. He didn't arrive in a Maserati. He didn't um, come to a place, to a palace. Uh, he wasn't the son of a powerful king. But he just emptied himself of his divine position. And furthermore, if you read closer, not only did he empty himself of his divine position... But he took the very nature of a servant. He literally became nothing. He was born of a virgin in a small town of Bethlehem from Nazareth. What good can come from Nazareth? He was, he was associated with tax collectors and sinners, Samaritans and lepers. And he washed people's feet. And he called to himself the brokenhearted and the disenfranchised. You kind of think, shouldn't he be there conquering kingdoms? Shouldn't he be there waging war? Shouldn't he be there making money? Shouldn't he be there looking for power and prestige? He emptied himself of his divine position. He, he took the very nature of a servant. And furthermore, he humbled himself to suffering. He humbled himself to suffering. Even suffering death. He was beaten. He was flogged. He was whipped with the cat of nine tails. He was spit upon and struck. He was given his own cross to carry. He was nailed to the cross and crowned with thorns on his head. He was mocked, and he was laid bare for all to see. He humbled himself. He humbled himself lower and lower and lower and lower. He emptied himself of his divine position. He took on the very nature of a servant. He humbled himself to suffering and to death. It's interesting, in Luke chapter 22, verse 14, it says, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, After the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which was poured out for you.
You know, we're just going to take a moment here and we're going to remember Christ's sacrifice. We um, practice an open communion here at Taylor Christian. So you don't have to be a member to participate. But we do ask that you take a moment and remember what he did for you. Remember the suffering. Remember the pain. Remember his body that was broken. Remember his blood that was shed. God, as we're here today, I just pray that you will... um, Speak to us. I pray that you'll minister to us. God, as the ushers come forward and as they um, prepare the elements, God, I pray that we'll remember that you humbled yourself. You didn't humble yourself just a little bit, but you emptied yourself of your divine position. You came and you didn't, you didn't seek prestige. You didn't come and um, seek to lord over people, but you came as a servant. You came to um, help the hurting. God, you came to, you really sought the brokenhearted. You sought those who um, were in desperate need of a Savior, Father. And today we remember your suffering sacrifice that was made on the cross for each of us. Today we remember.
a little tricky. You got to pull off the top wrapper. I almost have to be like a surgeon here. I apologize. Take off the top wrapper there. There's like a little plastic, clear plastic top that you got to pull off and uh, that'll get you to the wafer. So God, we thank you again for your body that was broken. God, we take a moment this Easter morning to remember your sacrifice. God, we know it's through your name that we can experience healing and through your body that was broken that we can uh, claim joy. God, we thank you that uh, we don't have to go to the temple any longer and sacrifice sheep, goats again and again and again, but that we can just come into your presence and um, that Christ, our mediator, is there and he was the ultimate sacrifice once and for all for the forgiveness of sins. All we have to do is come to you. God, we uh, thank you for your body that was broken. We're going to go ahead and partake of the bread. And God, we thank you for your blood that was shed. Man, just to think about that one sacrifice covered sins forever. And that... um, when scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And man, in, in your blood, there's healing and there's power. God, we thank you for your sacrifice and your blood that was shed. God, we give you the glory. Go ahead and partake. So if you're reading the text, you go back to verse 5, verse 6, it says, Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, it's interesting because that next verse there, it says, Therefore... It's kind of crazy because it's almost like that that verse is kind of like the hinge from one portion to the next. You know, it's like it's like a hinge and and and, and there's like a, almost like a, a door that's there. So it's like so it's like, hey, listen, Jesus came, he humbled himself. He didn't consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. He made himself nothing. He took on the very nature of a servant. He as you kind of see like the first you know, six through eight is is really speaking of his again, this is kind of divided into a couple different portion. So you kind of see, therefore, is kind of like the hinge of the kind of the, his, his, his humbling. And then it's the hinge that kind of moves to the next portion of scripture. Can you look to your neighbor and say the hinge? Now look to your neighbor and say, therefore, now look to your neighbor and say, therefore is the hinge. Therefore is a hinge. It's like the hinge. As you see, it's like a, a change from, from, from like it's speaking of his, huma- his humanity that's kind of switching, switching over to like what happened because, because of what Jesus did on the cross. Are you guys thankful that Jesus went to the cross for our sins? Amen? Are you guys thankful? But praise the Lord. Yeah, like you read it and it's like, oh my goodness. Like you see these things. It's like, oh my goodness. He humbled himself. He humbled himself of his divine position. He humbled himself and became a servant. He humbled himself and he faced suffering. He humbled himself and he faced death. Therefore, it's like the hinge from one portion of scripture to the next. Therefore, God exalted. Now, if you, if you go back and you look at the original text there, that name exalted doesn't mean like, oh, yay, like, it doesn't mean, like, this was just a little, like, uh-oh. You know, it's not like, oh, good job, Billy. You did a great job. I'm just going to pat you on the back. 
Good job, Billy. Good job, Cassandra. Like, like the Lord exalted him. Can you look at your name and say exalted? Okay, yeah, like, like he exalted. And it wasn't like a little, it wasn't like, oh yeah, you lost your tooth today, Billy. Good job. Like this was like a, like a big exaltation. In fact, if you look at the, orig- the, the original word, the Greek, it means to lift up. In fact, the, presec- the, the, the prefix means that, like, to highlight, it's like highlighting the words, like hyperextension, like a, a superlative degree, like the highest degree. Can you, so, so he went to the lowest of lows. He went to the pits of hell. Amen? So that the Lord could lift him up and could raise him up to the highest degree. He didn't just raise him up so that he could just be like, you know, but he raised him up to the highest degree, which is pretty exciting. And he made, this is interesting, he made, he made, he made, he, he, he made earth his footstool. Because of what, because of him being obedient to the Father, he gave him the name that is above every name. Now you would think here, maybe, that the name here would be Yahweh. You think maybe the name here would be, because you look in the Old Testament text, and of course, like, that's the name that, 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 that God gave Moses. But he gave him the name Jesus. Now, Jesus in and of itself is not a spectacular name. In fact, it was a very common name for people back then. It'd be like the name John here. It'd be like the name Christopher here. It'd be, but he gave him the name Jesus. And remember, names have significance. Names speak of people's vocation many times in the Bible. Names have significance. Jesus means this. Jesus means to rescue and to deliver. Jesus means to rescue and to deliver. And I'm going to call the worship team back up. Jesus means to rescue. And Jesus means to deliver. So maybe you're here this morning and, um, man, you've never... You've never called upon the name of the Lord. And, uh, man, I think at, at one time, Yahweh was a name that was, it wasn't uttered by anyone. But because of Jesus' work on the cross, because he humbled himself, because he emptied himself of his divine position, because he s- suffered for us, man, the Lord has given us this name where we can find healing, where we can find um, life, where, um, man, Jesus as, is as close as the mention of his name. And maybe there are some people here this morning where, man, you feel as if God has been far off. You feel as if God has been on a mountain somewhere. You feel as if it's just kind of like a, a sacred name that's out there somewhere, out there in the distance, and uh, I guess I want to encourage you this morning that, that, that God has given us the name of Jesus. And Jesus is here to rescue and to deliver. He's here to change and he's here to transform. He's here to meet you where you're at. He's here to, you know, it's not like we, we have to say, oh, you know, you know there, there's a God out, maybe there's a God out there somewhere who cares. Like, like he's given us a name so that we can have a relationship with him. God, today I just give you glory. God, today we give you praise. God, I pray today that you will 
Oh, continue to minister through the power of your word, Father. I thank you that you have given us the name of Jesus, a name that we can all call on, a name that we can all uh, uh, submit to, Father. God, I thank you that you have come to rescue us. I thank you that you have come to deliver us, God. I thank you that you are powerful and mighty and just, Father. And I pray, maybe there are people here this morning who have been wandering, Father. And I pray right now through the power of your word, through the power of your name, that you will draw them closer to you. We ask these things in your name.